Okay, welcome to Four Questions. Today, today we have an inverted relationship. It's, uh, it's Graham Daniel Willis, Cambridge University, interviewing Alice Evans. Um, I'm very uh, fortunate to today be having a conversation with Alice about uh, a forthcoming article um, called Politicizing Inequality, the Power of Ideas. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, inequality matters, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to giving her the four questions that I have about, about why this actually you know, is, a, is a great contribution. So, so let me start with this question. Inequality is an incisive issue, right? It's been around for a long time. It seems very durable, right? Inequality is something that can actually change over time? Yes, it can. So in Latin America, between 2000 and 2010, we've seen a reduction in income inequality across most of the countries. So I think that shows an inspirational message for us all to know that inequality is something we can all tackle. Okay. Seems kind of rosy. Why? Why does this happen? How is this, how is this, okay, is this so Latin coming America about? Okay, is famously and a very, very unequal uh, continent. And there are several possible explanations of why inequality has reduced. So economists, for example, will tell us about a reduction in non-labor income and a reduction in labor income. So people are earning higher wages now, uh, partly because minimum wage enforcement and legislation, partly because more people are going to school so can command higher wages and there's greater demand for unskilled work, uh, partly in the context of the commodity boom. Also, redistribution closes the non-labour income gap, so that's the cash transfers and things like that. So there are very, the various important policies that, are, that have helped close uh, the income gap. Um, but there's also a wider question about why have governments chosen to redistribute? So, as we know, in many countries, when elites prosper from a commodity boom from 2003 uh, onwards, they might keep those resources for themselves. So why did these Latin American governments, historically you know, elite Latin American governments, choose to redistribute? Why did they choose to enforce and protect minimum wages? Mm-hmm. So that's a further question about politics. Very good. That's very good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an important one, right? Now, in the, in the paper, you make the case for, for ideas, right? Mm-hmm. That ideas matter and that certain notions or shifts in what people recognize as important is, is, a, is, an, is a big part of this picture. Yeah. Tell, tell us more about, about that. Okay, so, other, so politics matters, and other political economists who look at uh, why elites persist and why inequality persists, people like um, Asa Moglu and Robinson in Why Nations Fail, will tell you it's about the constraints on the elites, and the elites will preserve all their wealth as much as they can, as long as there's no, as long as there's no incentive for them to redistribute, so they can maintain these extractive institutions. Other people will also talk about self-interest of patron-client relationships. So the, the client, the poor person, in order to secure their material survival, they will be a docile, loyal client of the patron and support them politically in exchange for material survival jobs. So they, because of their self-interested concerns, they support these unequal institutions. But I, I think ideas also matter. And ideas can matter in a, a couple of ways to reinforce inequality. One is our self-esteem and self-perceptions. So if I don't think I'm deserving of anything better. So, for example, there's a, a wonderful case study of a Brazilian, a black Brazilian uh, domestic worker. And she was not paid for any work until she was 21. She lived with her with her family, uh, with, with, sorry, with the with the employers that were not being paid. 
and she didn't realize that she was entitled to anything better. She didn't think that that was possible for her. So she continued in this drudgery of these incredibly long hours, physical and sexual abuse, not knowing that another world was possible. So that's another issue, mm -hmm. sort of unquestioned acceptance of the status quo. Mm -hmm. People might, might regard government services as a gift rather than an entitlement. And mm -hmm. if you think that the status quo is fine, whether mm -hmm. you're an elite, sort mm -hmm. of, so for example, in Brazil, the elite landowners think market distributions are entirely just. Mm -hmm. So it would be totally, totally wrong if the state intervened to redistribute that land. Mm -hmm. So people's thoughts about entitlements matter. Also people's norm perceptions, their beliefs mm -hmm. about what other people think and do. Mm -hmm. If I think the government will reprimand me or repress me if I go and speak out, mm -hmm. I'm unlikely to do so. It's too mm -hmm. risky. That's why poor people's movements are often so sporadic. Similarly, if I think that no one will support me, if no mm -hmm. one else questions austerity, if no one else thinks that Brexit is a terrible plan, for example, then I might be... Mm -hmm. to speak mm -hmm. So all, all these ideas matter in, in shaping our behaviour. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, ultimately you're pushing towards the idea that people just to recognise that there is a possible, right? Absolutely. That there is. So tell us more about that. I mean, why? Why would, you know, how does somebody who lives in a, you know, in an oppressive relationship in a family in, in an empregada suite, right, in their house, come to believe that something else is possible? So I think a couple of processes are really important for helping people shift their ideas. One is uh, association, so coming together, learning from others. Mm -hmm. So domestic workers, for example, live very isolated, separated lives, not realizing that there is, mm -hmm. an, not, not recognizing solidarity between themselves, not recognizing that there are people with the same structural relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, but when they come together, when they share ideas, when they're exposed to maybe radio, uh, collective radio, community mm -hmm. radio ideas about thinking that you've got rights and we can rise up against this and, and look what happened in Bolivia, look what happened in Ecuador, now, now they've got this uh, legislative mm -hmm. protection. Mm -hmm. So that can enable people to aspire to think yeah. about alternatives. So hearing about yeah. successful activism, meeting, meeting with others who share and support your views and yeah. cultivate, yeah. cultivate that confidence. And also really important is to, to see the government being responsive, to recognise that the state, state will not only tolerate but respond to and is capable of responding mm -hmm. to stripes and protests. I mean, if you think mm -hmm. that the state is repressive, if you expect the state to do nothing, that you yourself might be a apathetic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these processes Good. of association, seeing state response, seeing successful organizing, those can all help shift ideas. Mm -hmm. Good. So I'm, I'm curious about this, just listening to you now, that I don't think in the paper you talk much about the internet, right? Mm -hmm. but, but what you're kind of pushing there too is, is the idea there's something about the public sphere, right? And there's a response to the public sphere. And is that a part of the story, the interweb of things? This, you know, Is this something that we need to be thinking, pushing, thinking critically about when it comes to Yeah, I to think that's issues. really important, particularly in terms of social media. So in Latin America, you have a few oligarchic regimes controlling much of the media. I mean, in many of the countries, sort of 95% of the media will be controlled by these, these small sort of right-wing neoliberal-aligned families, and they tend to portray indigenous people in a very negative, pejorative light, uh, light maybe uh, likening them to animals or savages who are ignorant, who can't be trusted, mm -hmm. who are rebellious. And if you're always presenting indigenous people in, in those kinds of ways, then people might be sceptical as to whether they're fit to govern. Similarly, if all... Uh, I mean, the literature talks about... The, the paper talks about how some of these TV stations, all these sort of authority figures are white... Mm -hmm. Male newsreaders, for example, mm -hmm. representing their perspectives. Mm -hmm. 
and that can limit people's understanding of alternatives, mm -hmm. lead to sort of a deference because they mm -hmm. are the appropriate rulers. More of and the same, right? More status quo. Yeah, more, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So the internet can be important in enabling social media and a sort of diversity and disruption, enabling other channels of communication. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's very good. That reminds me, there's this particular kind of clown in Brazilian television called Luciano Huck runs a program on, on Saturdays, I think, and he's very well connected, but he's precisely that type, that typology. Super wealthy, super well connected, very politically connected. You know, there was rumors that he, was, he had bought some land on an island and that ha had managed to skirt the environmental protections mm -hmm. to put up a gigantic house, but is this like celebrated figure by a lot of people, right? And so there's something, I think this is great, right? That there's something new about the way people can contest some of these ideas, right? Um, through different kinds of ideas yeah, or new kinds of ideas. Yes. Now, um, what I find interesting about this too, right, is that so, um, I mean, this is really just all about democracy, is it not? Okay, so I entirely agree that democracy is important in a number of ways because... Left uh, trade unions, for example, under in Chile, under Pinochet, were too scared to, to mobilize, you know, for fear of violent repression. So the freedom of association is important. That said, if we look at cross-national studies of democracy and inequality or social spending, absolutely zero association. Mm -hmm. So AC Monkey and Robinson have a paper out there, absolutely zero association between democracy and inequality, which is surprising mm -hmm. because we'd think, well, in conditions of democracy, the political parties have an incentive to court the median voter who's likely to be poor in a context of inequality. You know, doesn't democracy have an incentive to, to favour poverty reduction? Well, as we can see from Britain, that doesn't always happen, right? Just because you have a democratic regime or, or America. Mm -hmm. Just because you've got a democratic regime doesn't necessarily mean that people court the poorest uh, or, or, or even respond to the median voter. So I th and, and if they do, we just call it populism or something. Right, right? absolutely. So, and, and similarly, if you look at the inequality trends in Latin America, inequality actually increased in the 1990s in mm. the first decade of democratization of America. It only came down after the 2000s. So democratization maybe enables, you know, enables activism, but activism, social movements take a long, long time to get going, to build up strength, to realize that they can do it, to foster solidarity, to recognize alternative possibilities. I mean, that is a slow incremental, conflictual, marked mm -hmm. by setbacks, kind of slog. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't happen overnight. So mm -hmm. even though there was democracy there, it took a while for these social movements to start to pressure governments mm -hmm. to start to redistribute. Yeah, you talk about the long durée, right, mm -hmm. in, in the paper and, and thinking yeah. about this, you know, more than just, okay, so the Cold War ended in, you know, the 1980s and here we are now, you know, uh, you know 20, 30 years on and, and, and like things have been so slow, right? Are we, things really getting better? Are they not, right? It's quite easy to be pessimistic. Mm. So really, I mean, how does, you know, shifting our focus towards this idea of the long durée really matter in the way we would, you know, approach problems but also approach solutions? I think that's a really nice... So what, what's the benefit of having those sort of long durée approach? My worry is that so much research in development studies tends to be short-termist, sort of mm. evaluating a project. Mm. And there's this really great uh, blog by Lance Pritchett, which is instead of evaluating interventions to understand their effects, what we really need to do 
is look at a big process of social or economic and political change and understand why that happened. Mm -hmm. So look at something that happened, a mm -hmm. big process, and try to understand why. Um, and I think you can only understand the structural shifts in material incentives or ideas if you look at that long process. Mm -hmm. Because where, you know social movements take a long time to develop, democratization takes a long time to develop. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens within a project cycle. You know, I think for any kind of research on social or political change, you need to have that long-term sort of 20-year horizon to mm -hmm. understand what the Dickens is going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, it's very, I think it's an important question, right? I mean, essentially we're speaking to the idea of like epistemology in a way, mm -hmm. right? How do we know or make the claim that a change is happening, right? Mm -hmm. what, do, what serves as valuable kinds of knowledge? Where do we publish this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, which oftentimes doesn't fit very well if we're thinking about these as large historical shifts or big, uh, big changes in trajectories. Or, or mm -hmm. you know, it, that's, that's a, it's a harder sell in general, isn't mm -hmm. it? What would you say? What would you say about about you know this kind of an, an approach? I mean, I think the idea, the focus on ideas, is a is a really important one, right? But also very intangible in a way, right? When we think about we think about somebody who you know a domestic worker who's been in someone's house, and we think like, was there a straw that broke the camel's back? We always want something like that. We always seek something like. There was an instant. There was a moment. Something shifted, right? Yeah, but they're never doing it's really. It's it's more. It's usually more gradual and linear. Mm -hmm. And so, what this paper does in terms of methodology is it relies on hundreds of ethnographic texts, which have got so many wonderful ethnographic studies of Latin America. And mm -hmm. by drawing these all together, we get a sort of synthesis, big picture of what's going on. But of mm -hmm. course, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Each one of those narratives is a small part of the picture, but each small narrative, and I think that's what we do in academia, mm -hmm. it's a collective project mm -hmm. where we're, you know, no single paper is revolutionary or groundbreaking, we just mm -hmm. add to the body of knowledge and collectively move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a sort of case law, isn't it, in yeah. a way? Yeah, I mean, that's great, because I think what you're ultimately saying here, too, is, you know, we really do sometimes need to step back and say, like, Let's think about the meta here, mm, right? Mm. Let's stop looking at the at the the navel length that we mm. always are so interested in, right? Which is just like, well, I was looking at this period in the last five years, or I have this amazing data set, or I have something that is, you know, quite finite, right? Mm. And the meta is a very important part of the picture sometimes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Big picture. Yeah. So tell us a little more about how, you know, inequality matters in a moment like now, right? What what is I mean, what is the larger story that you're bringing to us about ideas, about movements, about the possibility of the possible. Um, how do we make sense of that relative to, you know, Brexit think, or Trump? I think, or... Um, for example, the recent Labour election highlights the importance of ideas. Mm. Because I think you see with both Brexit and with Corbyn that there's widespread frustration with the status quo. Mm. And I say, and I would suggest that's partly about inequality and people feeling left behind and uh, the perils of austerity and shortage of jobs, uh, shortage of services, uh, and people struggling to get by. People, you know, stagnant wage, we're looking at stagnant wages in the UK. And in that context, there can be a case whereby people are frustrated but not recognizing that an alternative is possible. 
you know, so it's a matter of thinking that everyone else accepts the status quo. But then when you have people who say, well, here's another world that's possible and, th and we can deliver that for you, then people start to think, right, an alternative is possible and I'll sort of get with that program. And whether that's Brexit mm -hmm. or whether that's Corbyn, it's, trans it's mobilizing that frustration mm -hmm. into a sort of a rosier, more positive mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know the precise data, but there's been some suggestions that, you know, as Corbyn engaged, more people recognise this. I think, so a couple of things, going back to the Corbyn thing is, one, I understand that with the uh, elect election period, then there was media impartiality and greater focus on policies. So the Labour presentation of their alternatives to austerity. Mm -hmm. And again, that's broadening people's horizons, recognising that there's an alternative to austerity, that it doesn't have to be this way. So that can be helpful in, help in terms of people critiquing the status quo. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're only sold, you know, neoliberalism is the only game in town, mm -hmm. then we might mm -hmm. be, be trapped in that ideologically. Mm -hmm. um, also, people seeing Corbyn gaining strength, people seeing Corbyn doing well, then they think, right, social change is possible. Then they're more likely to join the Labour Party or mm -hmm. express so solidarity. Mm -hmm. You know, if we, if we think that there's no possibility, then we're, uh, we're apathetic, we don't bother. So these two things are really important. Recognising these alternatives helps people critique the status quo and seeing that, seeing the possibility of successful social change. Mm -hmm. So I think going forward, if we were to try to galvanise activism against inequality, it's about, one, recognising alternative possibilities, seeing those happening, seeing mm -hmm. the possibility of social change. So, for example, um, in March, we took a group of our geography students to Berlin and they were absolutely transformed. I mean, there's a totally different way of sort of housing arrangements, working arrangements, and seeing another country in Europe so similar to us, mm -hmm. yet with a different, more egalitarian relationship, with a much more revolutionary spirit, much stronger, more violent critiques of gentrification, for example. Mm -hmm. That made that would, they, they found that really inspiring. Mm -hmm. That made them much more critical of mm -hmm. anything we'd ever told them in our dull lectures mm -hmm. about, oh, you know, the facts and figures on inequality. See, I mean, and this relates but to research in social psychology. People are much more likely to identify and be persuaded by what their peers are doing. So when we see Berlin, oh, just like us, another European city, but mm -hmm. they have this, this radically different way of living and working, mm -hmm. that they found that really inspirational. And, that, and that, we see that also happening in Latin America. So, for example, after indigenous parties uh, gained power in Bolivia and Ecuador, then we similarly see indigenous parties um, taking root in Peru and Chile because they thought, right, now it's possible for us to do like that. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think it's fabulous. There's so much going on right, right now about these, these issues, right, that we hear constantly like, oh, we, we can't afford it, or oh, that's not possible, or, you know, I mean, and part of this is, an, is a larger issue, which is important to think about, which you're, you're getting at is, you know, how much are institutions and states in the business of foreclosing possibility all the time, mm, yeah. right? And so in the possibility or in people recognizing the possible, mm. Are we transcending those sort of an antiquated or an old way of doing things and moving towards something new, right? Mm. Just the idea that imagination is formative is an important one, right? Yeah, I think um, I absolutely agree, but I'd like to make a distinction because a lot of NGOs trying to address poverty or inequality 
they try to just focus on people's ideas. So you'll see gender sensitization programs, mm. telling girls about their rights, telling them to go to school, mm -hmm. telling rural communities that they're entitled to government services. I think that's totally the wrong approach. Mm. So even though they're targeting ideas, that's dangerous because it's just the abstract ideas without showing people that it's possible. Much, much, much more important in terms of getting girls to want to go to school is if they see women working, if they see women with an education, then they have a shift in ideas. But it doesn't come from directly telling them to do it or think about it in abstract. So it's about seeing those possibilities. So whether it's seeing the success of a leftist movement or, or seeing a government cede to minimum wage demands, we can't just target the ideas and expect the imagination to broaden. Our, our ideas are, are developed and reinforced and then remoulded by our observations of the world. So we need to change the world in iteration with the ideas. Very good. I think that's really great. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks for, uh, for coming in, and I think it's going to be great to see you thrive at King's in London <laughs> and to see this paper out published very soon. Thank you. Thank you.